It is the fifth Tuesday of the month, and what does that signify to you? For me, it's a rare pause of sorts that allows me to catch up with items I've not been able to write about just yet. That's the general theme of this installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement, and I'm your host, Sean Tubbs, grateful for the opportunity to bring you as much information as I can in newsletter and sonic form. On today's program, Charlottesville City Council takes a deeper look at how $46 million in affordable housing funds have been spent since 2010 and the way to reform. There are six days until the General Assembly meets again. A nearby Board of Supervisors has a land use decision overturned by a circuit court judge and an update on mulch, clean fill, and the budget for the Rivenna Solid Waste Authority. In today's first Patreon-fueled shout-out, you don't need the luck of the Irish to be safe and comfortable in your own home. To see what you can do to get the most out of your home, contact LEAP, your local energy nonprofit, to schedule a home energy assessment this month. Just $45 for city and county residents. LEAP also offers free home weatherization to income and age-qualifying residents. If someone in your household is age 60 or older, or you have an annual household income of less than $74,950, you may qualify for a free energy assessment and home energy improvements such as insulation and air sealing. Sign up today to lower your energy bills, increase comfort, and reduce energy waste at home. Virginia's legislative information system has been updated to reflect that the General Assembly will convene next Monday for a special session to complete the biennial budget. There are 30 House bills pending and 17 Senate bills. There's also the possibility of more being added. David Blunt is a legislative liaison for the Thomas Jefferson Planning District Commission, and he told me that the Assembly will approve an operating resolution that will guide the work and determine what can be considered during the legislative session. He said that they typically allow commending and memorial resolutions to be introduced. The main unresolved issue is the state budget. Each House has named members to be conferees to work out a compromise. Blunt said the public will have a chance to review that document as soon as a deal is worked out. As the regular session ended, both the House and Senate had differing positions on how to increase funding for school facility construction and renovations. Legislation to allow all Virginia localities to levy a sales tax increase for education did not make it out of the regular session. In Virginia, elected bodies usually have the final say in matters related to land use and zoning. However, property owners do have the right to appeal decisions to state courts. The Rappahannock News reports that a Rappahannock Circuit Court judge has overruled that that county's Board of Supervisors in a case where a contractor had sought a special use exception to store equipment on land zone agricultural. The five-person board unanimously voted to deny the request, citing traffic issues. Contractor John Capali appealed, and Julia Shanahan reports that Judge Jeanette Irby ruled the use would not have any impact on traffic. Rappahannock County may appeal the ruling. You can learn more by reading Shanahan's story, and you can also look through materials from the March 2020 hearing. Both of those are links in the newsletter. Now, this one is not a shout-out, but an update on what I've shouted out. 
This year's winter storms have wreaked havoc on many trees across the region, and there was much debris for government crews and property owners. In January, the Rivanna Solid Waste Authority waived fees to drop off downed limbs and trees at the Ivy Materials Utilization Center, where it was turned into mulch. Bill Moyer is the executive director of the Rivanna Solid Waste Authority and the Rivanna Water and Sewer Authority. We had so much mulch available after the free vegetated uh, debris disposal program from the storm in January that we had so much mulch, we were giving away the first two tons and then charging people after that. Moyer said the RWSA wanted to get rid of the material as quickly as possible before it became a fire hazard. As of this morning, they've distributed 2,004 tons, according to Philip McCaleb's, the RSWA's solid waste manager. He said they are hoping to run out by the end of the week. Since February, the Rivanna Solid Waste Authority has been working with Falconer Construction on a pilot to have lower tipping fees for clean fill from sites where buildings and old landscapes have been removed. This is in response to new rules in Albemarle County, which used to allow that material to be buried underground more easily. The lower fees are because Falconer is doing some of the work. Here's Philip McCaleb's. The contractor that brings in the fill is going to take responsibility for all the grading, compaction, uh, seeding, and installation of interim stormwater controls. As of last week, Falconer had dropped off 17,000 tons that will be placed in an unused cell of the former landfill. In total, they're, they're expected to deliver between 30 to 40,000 tons by the end of May. They might get done with that a bit sooner. One lesson learned is that the RSWA has needed to limit the number of trucks that can come through in a day to 120. We had up to 165 trucks in one day. And with our other operations, it was a bit of um, it was a bit of a stress for the site staff. They were having to do a lot of crowd control and managing traffic out towards Dickwoods Road and things that really aren't acceptable for long-term operations. Even though the tipping fee for clean fill is lower, the pilot project has brought in over $60,000 in revenues to date. McCaleb said other contractors are very interested in participating in the program. At their meeting on March 22nd, the Rivenna Solid Waste Authority's board of directors also got the first look at the agency's $6.84 million budget for fiscal year 23. That's based off an anticipated $3.5 million in revenues and $3.3 million from local and state government. Albemarle County's share is increasing next year to help cover the costs of operating a new Southern Convenience Center, which is expected to open next January to offer solid waste alternatives for people in Southern Albemarle County. There's also a need to build a new bailing facility to handle recycled paper and cardboard. A cost share will need to be worked out for how much each locality would pay. More details on that will be available at the RSWA's next meeting in May. To learn more about the programs of the RSWA, take a look at the budget presentation from the March 22nd, 22 meeting. There's a link in the newsletter. You're listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement, and in today's second Patreon-fueled shout-out, the Rivanna Conservation Alliance wants wildlife and nature photographers to enter their first-ever photography contest. 
They want high-resolution photos related to the Rivanna watershed, and the winning entries will be displayed at the 2022 Riverfest celebration on May 1st. The two categories are 16 and under, and those under the age of 17. You can send in two entries, and the work might be used to supplement Rivanna Conservation Alliance publications. For more information, visit rivannariver.org. One more segment today, and we're back to affordable housing and city council. The affordable housing plan, adopted by Charlottesville City Council in March of 2021, established a moral commitment for the city to spend $10 million each year for 10 years on affordable housing projects and administration. But how have previous funds for that purpose been used since 2010? Callahan Seltzer is a principal with HRA Advisors. Um, so yes, in summary, you, you've administered 46.7 million in funding. Um, so this uh, is broken down into operating program uh, development and city administration. Um, and when we say development here, we're talking about new construction and rehab. So um, specific hard hard costs related to construction and rehab of affordable housing. HRA advisors were hired by Roadside and Harwell as a subcontractor for the overall Seville Plans Together initiative. HRA wrote the plan, which helped inform the greater residential densities that are allowed under the new comprehensive plan adopted by council last November. City Council originally approved a Charlottesville Affordable Housing Fund, or CAF, in 2007. Very few staff who were around at that time are left in the city government. Last July, the previous city council agreed to pay HRNA advisors an additional $165,000 to review how the CAF has been used since 2010. The review's purpose was to determine if the city was getting a return on its investment and to suggest reform. An initial review was presented to council in December, but the rest of the report was the subject of a city council work session on March 21st. Alex Ikafuna is the interim director of the Office of Community Solutions. The study is also uh, uh, designed uh, to uh, redesign the program, make it more efficient, and then ensure some kind of accountability going forward. That $165,000 also covers the costs of HRNA to write an inclusionary zoning program as part of the ongoing rewrite of the zoning code. That will come forward at a later date. Let's get back to the CAF. Seltzer said the review involved following up with transactions from the past 12 years. Around 95% of the funds have gone to 11 recipients. There are two classes of recipients, and they are households served versus units constructed. The study sought to create a metric to measure the efficiency of funding. We think it's only one of many important metrics and generally performance um, in terms of cost efficiency per unit um, from what we see in the industry is, is very good. Um, you, you are getting a good amount of cost efficiency per unit uh, invested via, via the CAF. Nearly half of that funding has gone to development of new units. Here are some highlights. In 2010, Virginia Supportive Housing was awarded $1.825 million dollars for what would become the crossings on 4th Street. There's 60 units in single resident occupancy. 
The Thomas Jefferson Community Land Trust has been awarded $3 million since 2012. Habitat for Humanity has received nearly $3.9 million since 2010 for a variety of projects. Piedmont Housing Alliance received $5.545 million in 2021 for the redevelopment of Friendship Court. Charlottesville Redevelopment and Housing Authority has received a total of nearly $8.4 million, with significant amounts earmarked for redevelopment since 2018. And the Albemarle Housing Improvement Program has received nearly $8.5 million, primarily for the rehabilitation of existing units. Construction that is intended to subsidize the cost of housing always has multiple sources of revenue, but the above is direct investment of funds ultimately covered by city taxpayers, either in terms of cash or bond proceeds. Callahan said the review of the CAF is intended to turn goals of the affordable housing plan into reality, such as requiring affordability to last as long as possible. So really trying to get 99 years of affordability whenever possible. And we are working to kind of help you get the right set of agreements in place uh, with your grantees um, that get you that longer term of affordability. Um, 20 years at an absolute minimum would be our, our recommendation there. Those can take the form of covenants that return some of the value of the unit back to the city. One way to secure those covenants would be to restructure the Charlottesville Affordable Housing Fund into what Seltzer calls a soft loan. Because what that does is you essentially are buying that affordability. And if a uh, developer in 10 or 15 years decides, you know, they own the property, they have a covenant, but they're okay to terminate that covenant because they're going to sell the property and make a lot of money when they sell it. It brings you back to the table to renegotiate um, and say, well, actually, this is a loan. We papered it as a loan. And here you are needing to uh, basically, within your sale, uh, we are going to recoup these funds uh, so that we can reinvest in affordable housing in other ways. Seltzer said the city will need additional housing staff to track all of the information and to ensure the covenants and provisions are enforced. One counselor asked HRNA to give a sense of how Charlottesville is doing compared to other cities across the country. Here's Philip Cash of HRNA, followed again by Seltzer. Charlottesville is punching above its weight on a per capita basis. Almost any way you cut the numbers, you all are putting, you are very committed to this public policy priority. You also have a very sophisticated group of affordable housing developers that I've not seen that level. I not seeing that level of sophistication in the Southeast. I think in, um, you know, Boston, New York, places where you have strong neighborhood-based CDCs with a 30, 40-year history of neighborhood-based action. Um, that's kind of how I got into community development. Like, that, that exists. It doesn't exist in the Southeast. However, both Cash and Seltzer said the administration of those funds has been lacking and better tracking will be required. Deputy City Manager Sam Sanders said it is the intention of the city government to hire additional staff when the right positions are identified. Another reform will be the creation of a committee to review competitive proposals for use of the city's affordable housing funds. Council currently makes the ultimate decision with some guidance from the current Housing Advisory Committee, or HAC. Sanders said the new committee will eliminate conflicts of interest, such as members of nonprofits evaluating their own proposals. When you've had one committee that's been evaluating 
the actual proposals then that in itself uh, leads to various confusion. So the establishment of the CAF committee is an intent to pull the developers out of the conversation where they may have a direct benefit so that there are others that are fully vetting out those proposals and making the recommendations separate and apart. The Housing Advisory Committee would continue existing as a body to discuss policy, but would no longer be involved with making funding recommendations. The goal is to have all affordable housing proposals come through one channel. Anyone making a request for a housing investment to the city of Charlottesville should come through one door. That request should be factored against everything else that is being considered, and then it gives us a better ability to track it. Responsibility for this will be transferred to the Office of Community Solutions. Sanders said there will be another work session on April 4th that will focus more on affordable housing issues in Charlottesville. Charlottesville Community Engagement will be there to bring that information to you in depth and hopefully as complete as possible. That is the end of this installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement. I was very glad to be able to get to that last segment, which of course did happen eight days ago, but there's a reason I don't call this news. I like to call it information because the information that you just received there is still valid, even though it might not necessarily have just come off the printing press, because I don't have one. I have a podcast and a Substack newsletter. And of course, you can support the creation of both of those things by subscribing through Substack. And if you do, that will help support this going on for as long as possible. It will also trigger the company Ting to make a matching contribution uh, to Town Crier Productions, which is the company that I have formed to do this work and a bunch of other things that you're going to hear about in the future. The whole point is to bring as much information as possible on this. I was a reporter back in 2007 when that Charlottesville Area Housing Fund was created. And I've been here for the last 15 years covering as much of this stuff as possible to make more sense of it to as many people as possible so we can all take a look and see what's going on. And, um, you know, the rest of you can have different opinions. I don't have opinions except for the fact that I think this work is valuable and I really do appreciate everybody's support because I like just writing what happens and making sure uh, nothing gets lost. And if it does, let's try to find it together. I am Sean Tubbs and I will be back in the near future with another installment. I think it's going to be until Thursday before I get one. I have another project I have to work on tomorrow. Last year, I worked on a project for WBTF Public Radio and Radio IQ that uh, we won an award on and I have to help write the script for the next one. So the next installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement is going to come out on Thursday morning. Uh, And uh, in the meantime, you know, go back and look at the archives. You can always send me a note and please let me know what you think and send it on to more people. I'm Sean Tubbs, the host of this program, and stay in touch with all of the information here on Charlottesville Community Engagement and over there at Information Charlottesville, infoseville.com. I'm Sean Tubbs. I'll be back in the near future. Goodbye. Goodbye.